Hey, you're listening to the Built Different Podcast with James Mayhew and Kevin Wormwood. I'm James. I'm Kevin. And on this podcast, hey, we're going to talk with you about leading your business through the lens of integrity, dignity, and prosperity. And a company that's built different makes conscious, intentional, and consistent decisions around these principles. And that helps you attract and retain great people, develop leaders from within, and it ensures that you're serving your employees and customers with excellence every single day. So whether you lead a team of five, 500, or 5,000, and you desire to make a difference in the lives of others, hey, you're in the right place. Our goal is to help you stand out and be known for having a company that doesn't just say they're different, but is different by operating with integrity and treating everyone with dignity and creating a space where people prosper. So let's dive in. Kevin, how are you, buddy? Yeah. I'm awesome. How are you? Um, I don't know if I'm awesome, but I'm I'm really really good. <laughs> Man, I'm you know I'm actually great. I'm getting really excited about the day. That's good. That's that's what it is, and I, and I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, I think um, as you've mentioned in our intro, you know, integrity, dignity, prosperity, leading with those things, and I think to me one of the things uh, that jumped out to me is. You know, what is one mistake that companies make in the hiring process? And to me, it's it's kind of an overcomplication, right? It's uh, it's it's overvaluing industry experience and undervaluing people that get results. Mm. Uh, and to me, I think, you know, I see organizations put this heavy emphasis on industry experience, a particular software it might be, right? Or or they they have this particular background. Um, where oftentimes they may take that over somebody who is just a, a flat out winner, right? Gets results. Um, to me, I, you know, I think about my past experiences in hiring. I've been fortunate to been in organizations where I hired, uh, you know, probably a few hundred people easily. Um, you know, and I think one common denominator that always stuck out to me is at the end of the day, I always hired somebody who could win and get results, right? I hired somebody who was coachable, uh, you know, there were some intangibles, right? But I always got somebody who had proven history of producing results at other organizations. I didn't worry too much about what specific industry that was. Listen, if they were successful at PetSmart, they're going to be successful working with me, right? Uh, if they worked at Staples and they were getting it done there and they won some, they won some things, they led a team, they got results, they moved the needle, I'm probably going to be able to teach them. Uh, the same same things, right? They're coachable. They're they're able to make an impact through other people. And unfortunately, I think sometimes organizations misvalue that. Uh, and I don't know uh, uh, to me what the root cause of that is. I think you know sometimes it could be a soft onboarding process, right? Not really clearly defined. It could be the lack of a sound training program. Um, I think there are probably times though where an organization says gosh, you know, we need to get immediate results and we don't really have six, eight months to get somebody in and teach them our lingo. Um, because that's the other thing. Uh, I think oftentimes, and I'm sure you've had this in your past and, and some of our listeners probably have as well, even when you stay in an industry, there's still different jargon from one employer to another, right? You could work at manufacturing plant A and they're one of the largest manufacturers in the world, right? And then you leave there and you go to manufacturing company B. And while the processes and products may be similar, the lingo is completely different. Uh, so there's still an onboarding process. But I would love to get some of your perspective as well as to, as to how organizations uh, fall into this trap of having an overvalue on industry experience, uh, 
uh, and and under undervaluing or underappreciating uh, execution and results. Well, first of all, I just you know I love the topic, and I 100% agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I'm going to say something that might come across a little controversial, <laughs> but I've seen this. Okay, so I'm not making this up. I've done it, and I've seen it done. And here, here's what it is. I think when people write a job posting, especially if it's something that, um, you know, it might be a little bit newer for them, or maybe they're, they're going back and they're regurgitating something that somebody else has written. If it hasn't been written internally before, where do they turn? They go to Google. So they type in um, yep. job description for whatever it is that they're looking for. Therefore, what is mediocre stays mediocre. You like it doesn't improve because they're looking at it and they they go, well, okay, this this was out there and it was put out by one of the big companies potentially, maybe one of the the uh, the recruiting or job search companies that are out there, and they say, hey, this is what a job description looks like for X position, and they end up, yeah. you know, just like sort of out of laziness or ignorance, and I don't mean that in a in a bad way necessarily. It's just like I don't know what I don't know. Or I'm in a hurried setting, I end up copying that and I put it out there. I just replace it with our name on it. And so we're looking for this and it's talking about the pedigree and those experiences. And what what it does is it caters to then, how do I craft my cover letter and resume? Which is, you know, I think a huge mistake that people make is we make that resume talk about all the great things that the company did without really saying how you literally contributed to it. So, so there's kind of a hot take on that from my perspective. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Especially when it comes to the copy and paste of these job uh, descriptions. I mean, I've, I've went through some and you see, you know, a page and a half of qualifications and job description. And you're like, geez, you know, good night. Uh, (laughs) that, you know, that, that's probably, and others probably not going to happen, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting to me too. I think sometimes companies and, and maybe I'm way wrong here and I'm not trying to be negative about it, but I think sometimes organizations, uh, get short in the detail, right? right? So they think, Hey, I'm, I'm not married to James long-term, but I expect James to be married to me long-term. So, you know, I need instantaneous result. You know, I need James to hit the ground running, um, but I'm not married to him long-term, right? Well, at the end of the day, it should be a long-term relationship. Like, listen, I believe that you specifically, if I'm interviewing you, right, I'm looking for the tangible things that I can't teach. Uh, are you coachable, right? Can you, I can teach you how to run a software, right? Uh, you, you and I are sharp people. We could go to PetSmart tomorrow and make a difference. Uh, we could go to Menards tomorrow and make a difference, right? Um, because of who we are, right? And how we're wired. So to me, I would look at those things more than I would specific industry experience, right? Are you coachable? Are you winsome? Uh, you know, some, some different things that, how do you treat other people, right? So, (laughs) I mean, do you treat people with dignity? Uh, you know, because you can have somebody that's got, all this criteria that somebody's looking for and they're just a horrible human being. Well, did you really set yourself up to win? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's a lot of layers even to what you just said there, but when I, I was sitting there thinking about what does it literally mean when you're talking about industry experience? And that's when it says I have 20 years, a uh, track record proven, you know, like however we, we write those things. And again, there's a lot of boilerplate jargon that's in there and it, and it doesn't really stand out. So we say, okay, they're looking for somebody that's got, 
five plus years experience in this. Um, and then I say, well, gosh, I've been doing it for 15. So like, I'm certainly qualified for this, but there's a mismatch. There's a, there's a miscommunication that's happening in there. So w- when I'm looking at these, uh, industry experience layers, like how important, like why, why Kevin, in your opinion, do those make it in there? Why, why are they so prominent? Like I gave us at least one idea of why it's in there, but why do you think it continues to stay in there? And what's the, um, what's the driver behind if you have tons of years of experience at doing something, does it actually mean you got results? And I think we know the answer is no, not, it doesn't. No, no. And I think, no, I think there's two two quick answers that come to mind, right? So first and foremost, I think, why do organizations do that? And I think it relieves some of the culpability, right? If, if you're coming in with all this industry experience, then I don't necessarily have to train you. <laughs> so I can teach you a couple things, but then if you can't get the result, then that's a James yeah. problem. Because we asked you to know how to do this job basically before we hired you, right? So now you're not being successful and that's all on you. That's mm-hmm. not on us. So I don't have to coach you. I don't have to develop you. I don't have to train you, right? Um, so I think that's first and foremost. And I think, uh, the other part of that is this is what we've always done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've always hired somebody with industry experience. And I had this conversation one time with a, a young CEO. Um, and there was a, uh, it was, it's kind of interesting. It was actually a boneheaded decision and him and I are in a car together and we're driving and he asked me the question. He's like, I just don't, it wasn't a decision I made, luckily, you know, knock on wood. Uh, we were just, we were talking about a decision of environment that him and I were in and we were traveling with a group of other people. And there was a decision that was made that cost his company a lot of money uh, due to some travel. And and he asked me the question. He's like, you know, I don't understand why we made this trip. And I said, well, sir, I've been asking that question over and over. And the answer I've been given is it's the way we've always done it. Right. And, and he kind of shakes his head a little bit. And I said, you know, the problem that that we're in and, and sometimes organizations get into, right. Is they have the same people that thought them into a problem, try and think their way out of a problem. Oh my gosh, right? that's gold. So yeah. And you, and you got the same people that thought this was a great idea, uh, you know, to fire up a private jet and fly 40 minutes at $10,000, uh, because that's the way we've always done it. You know, it's, it's great to get on a private plane and feel special, right? Mm. <laughs> it's not the most feasible, most economical thing to do, but it feels good to get on a private plane, right? Sure. That is, which listen, I'm not, I'm not banging that at all. It was a special <laughs> experience. I'm not kidding. Uh, but, but I also think we should be mindful of money. Uh, so, you know, you get into that old adage of it's the way we've always done it and it's a roadblock and organizations talk about it and they say, Hey, uh, you know, we like to have this mentality of we, we, uh, we don't do it that way. You know, we're not a, it's the way we've always done it. But I think in hiring, sometimes it gets sped along and the same job description we used last year when we filled this role is the same job description we're going to use this year. Uh, the same job description we used six months ago is the same one we're going to use now. Right? right. And I don't know if anybody ever pauses and says, Hey, what were some common things that successful people have? And what are some common things that unsuccessful people have? Um, You know, to me, I think, again, not to bring it back to me, but I always loved uh, having somebody that didn't have industry experience. Um, 
you know, I, I'm not an open heart surgeon. Those people that have listened to you and me uh, on several other podcasts get a little bit of my background, but I've, I'm not doing, you know, high level things like that, right? Where uh, I'm dealing with people, processes, products, things like that. Um, you know, so industry experience is really irrelevant, but you don't have to change habits, right? Hmm. So if I, if I give you some coaching and I teach you a certain way, a certain process that I want you to execute and follow, you're going to do it. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes when I've hired people that have had industry experience, you have to break them of their habits. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes some organizations or some leaders don't encourage their teams to operate with integrity, dignity, or prosperity, right? So to me, those are always biggies. I mean, at the end of the day, if I can't trust you, we can't work together. Uh, if I can't trust your word, so right? If I, yeah. see you, if I see you treating people with a lack of dignity, uh, if I see you stopping people from being prosperous, if I see you stopping an organization from being prosperous, I, I really, I lose trust in you fast and it's hard for me to follow you. And, and that's, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I don't deviate too far from our subject because as we've discussed, you know, offline when we're not recording, it's like we could take this a lot of different directions, but, but I think you just touched on something that's really important about the dignity piece specifically to the hiring and why we sometimes put more emphasis on the experience than we would the results. And again, I think, you know, there's a symptom that's been happening in business. I believe it is spooling up and not getting better. And that is hurriedness. You know, we're always feeling like we're behind, like our calendars are full. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at my, my outlook calendar, it's, it's just block full for a day and I'm going from thing to thing, to thing, to thing. The, the, the one thing that I have said um, consistently over the past several years is that I believe that leaders have two primary responsibilities. One of those is hiring. Okay. You can't afford to get it wrong, but you're not always in the hiring process. Some companies might be if they're in a fast growing stage or they've got some other issues and they've got a lot of attrition going on. Um, so even when you're not in that stage, it's still a number one for you. It just might not be a number one this week, today, or next week. So, so where I was going with this is you fall out of the skill, you fall out of the practice of doing it well, and you resort to how you've done it before. You, you were touching on that before. So like the sneakiness of that old adage of we've always done it that way. There isn't a leader or a company worth their grain, you know, worth it, worth anything that would ever admit that that's, that they do that unless they're truly, yeah, it's an Right. Unless they're yeah. truly introspective. Yeah, it's an unconscious consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's right? an unconscious consciousness. Yeah. They're not, they're not saying 30 days from now, I'm, I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to get jammed up and need an employee. So I'm just going to dust off that old, you know, they're just unconscious of it. And then they get in that situation where it's a knee jerk reaction. We got to get the position filled, but Hey, next time, Next I'll get time, better at it. I'll make we're more time. Do it different, yeah. Okay? And next time we're going to do this different. Hey, we got, we got to really rewrite this the next time. Okay. We got to really rewrite this job description. The next time we go to fill this role. I know we said we were going to do it the last time, but this time we really we got to do we're it. We're meaning okay? this time. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we get this person hired. Okay. And then now, now we got to redo yeah. it. Uh, but I, I think you touched on something else too, you know, and I'm not trying to bang on, uh, certainly I, I, I hope it's not coming across that way, but I'm not trying to bang on HR folks, especially that are, that are going to be kind of in this mix of, uh, posting these positions or doing the hiring process or, you know, the initial screening part. But unfortunately I've been in organizations where these folks are battling a forest fire with a garden hose. Exactly. Uh, not only, not, not only are they supposed to be hiring, they're onboarding 
they're doing some training and developing. They're handling cultural stuff. They're handling internal organizational problems. They're working on training, right? I mean, they're doing a thousand, a thousand things. things. Exactly. They're doing payroll. They're doing, you know, and, and companies decide that, listen, we can't have somebody uh, 100% focused on getting us top talent because that's a waste of money. So what we're going to do is we're going to have them doing seven, eight, nine things. You and I were just at an HR conference, right? And they really didn't talk too much about, they really didn't talk too much about, at least from my perspective, they didn't talk too much about being proactive in hiring. They really didn't talk too much about the hiring process, right? It was about managing employees from the time they show up to the time they go home. I mean, that's really what these HR folks were talking about, right? How do we manage people from nine to five or eight to four thirty or whatever time, you know, this organization is? It's like, good night, you know, and and the piece of it that was cool was a lot of the folks that were in the room, good, genuine people, a lot of them understand that they're here for eight and a half hours out of the day. That means there's, you know, 18 hours out of the day that they're at home and they're dealing with other things personally, and professionally, and they're really trying to tap into how do we, how do we better this process, this employee experience? Um, my point of that whole thing being though, unfortunately, it wasn't a whole lot of talk about the actual hiring process. It was about managing. And that's where I go back to these folks, unfortunately, are doing seven, eight things. They're fighting a forest fire with but a But you know homes. what? And, and, and while I think that's great because HR, I have mad respect for people in HR because they've got a difficult job and they are pulled a lot of different directions. And, but this is also true for, let's say it's a smaller business and you are the CEO. You know, let's say you got 50 people. You might be still involved very closely in the hiring process. Maybe that's going to be true at a hundred people. I don't know. Like it's going to be different for each, each company. But what I, but I can tell you is that they have the exact same struggles. And so kind of circling back to what I was saying is you get out of practice at hiring well. You know, we have the intention that we'll yep. do it better next time. And, and, and there's going to be a correction to it, but then fires happen. Um, and, and you're constantly doing those things where you're getting sucked into other areas and, oh crap, I got that one o'clock interview today and it's 11 AM. You haven't had much of a chance to prep. Um, and, and you've got meetings and you got to squeeze some time to get a little bite in cause you haven't eaten since 5 AM. So, right. All of those things start to happen and you come into that setting and you're underprepared. Now, some people do it. And their ego gets the best of them. And they're like, I can just wing it. I'm, I'm really good. I can just pick up on people, you know, uh, other people it's, it's that they, they just like, oh man, uh, I'll, I'll invite somebody else in, or I'll ask those old standby questions, or maybe they don't have time to, to get somebody else. in. so they Google, Hey, what's questions to ask in an interview? What's, yeah, what's some good questions. <laughs> right. And, and they're, they're, they're not good questions because they're the same questions that, that people are getting prepped for in college, how to answer these questions. So, yeah. So like, that's just a little nuance Here's, there and you don't even talk about, hey, if you, you don't even talk about what yeah. the experience, like you get all hung up on the experience that they had and you forget to mine the results. Tell me how that happened. Tell me about a time that, that when you had one of those results, was there any failures along the way? What'd you learn from that? Cause I want to know your character during these interviews. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you resilient? Um, what happens when you fall? Uh, you know, are you, are you able to dust yourself off? You know, have you, have you even experienced that? You know, and I'm not trying to be rude, but if you get, I mean, that's, we could get, we could get severely off the rails, but you want to talk about a societal thing, right? And people will talk about these younger generations and what's one of their, what's one of their drawbacks, supposedly, if you will, little air quotes there for people that can't see, but a drawback is, is people will say, well, we never let them fail. Now, 
I don't know 100% on that, but I do think there are some things where if you have everybody's getting a first-place trophy because they were in the tournament, then there is a problem there. You know, kids should be dealt adversity because it doesn't set them up to be an adult and face adversity. Adversity is real life. You're going to lose your dream job. Uh, You're going to have heartbreak. You're going to suffer loss of close loved ones, uh, mentors, friends. Uh, unexpectedly, right? Kevin, uh, so it's it's how you're going to deal with those things. Well, here's something that's 100 percent true, and I I talk about four um, dark sides of leadership, pitfalls of leadership. So it's these styles, and one of them is the rescuer. And if you have a propensity to rescue people and save them from when they fall down and skin their knee, you don't want that to ever happen for them. That is that just flies in the face of dignity because you and I both know, and our listeners know that the times that you learned the most wasn't when somebody told you exactly how to do it and gave you, you know, a roadmap and held your hand the whole way. It was when you were forced to do something you had never done before that you did fall Mm -hmm. down. You made some wrong decisions. You made a mistake, but you learned from it and you got better. And then you did it again and you got better and you constantly improve. And so if you, if you are a rescuing personality style, if that's one of your pitfalls as a leader, uh, you've got to be very mindful that y- y- it makes you feel good to rescue them, but you're not really helping that, that individual along. And so again, yeah, you, you know, it's, you're also it's a not- lack of dignity in that case. And that's, that, that's, that's difficult. Go ahead. You're also not helping them be prosperous. Exactly. Because prosper doesn't just mean not, how much money they make. It's it's what they're growing, how yeah. they're growing, right? And sometimes I think uh, from a leadership perspective and, and uh, you know, for me, I, I always look at it this way. First, seek to understand, right? When somebody's got a different process in mind, seek to understand and understand and confidence in myself that I may not always have the only solution to a problem, right? So if you and I are working together, it's, you know, James is going to get this result and is it going to be illegal, immoral, or unethical? Uh, You and I have talked about that a billion times, but to me, that's the first thing I gauge it on, right? Is it illegal, immoral, or unethical? Just because it's not the way I would execute it, as long as we're not doing something illegal, immoral, or unethical, and I think it's going to get the result and you 100% believe into it, I'm going to get behind you and let you execute it, right? And, And you may fail, and you may fail, right? Uh, and then the other part of that being a leader is being able to say, hey, James, what what did we learn? What worked? What would we change? How would we implement? How would we execute? Right. And then reassess and move forward. Right. But now you grew from it because the next time you're faced with that, what are you going to do? You're going to execute it the way you said, aha, if I had a second chance, I'd do it this way. Right. And I, I think about that from an organizational, organizational standpoint when we're talking about the hiring process, like. I think sometimes organizations continue to do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, right? There's going to be this ideal candidate that matches all this criteria. They're, they're 99.9% of everything we're looking for. Um, you know, and that, and that may be the case in some organizations. There might be those applicants out there, but I, I just don't know, you know, and, and are you putting the right weight on the right scale? I mean, in fairness to some of our HR folks that we were talking about earlier, you know, if they're given a job description that's very vague or they're given qualifications, it's not it's not on them to understand that, um, you know, a business development uh, position needs to understand how to w- work Salesforce if that's what the owner tells them they want, right? Is it really important? No, I've used Salesforce. I understand Salesforce. I don't, I don't think it's relevant for somebody to have Salesforce experience in order to work for me. Uh, I guess if I lack the ability to teach somebody how to use it, 
then then it's probably pretty important. But I'm pretty sure I can teach you how to do the things I need you to do the intricacies. Um, but I guess that's just a different view for me. I'm not saying that uh, everybody should look at that way. That's just one example to me, though, of that particular thing that you'll see on job postings, like must have Salesforce experience. Well, man, that's not open heart surgery. Yeah. And, and for sake of uh, of this podcast, just going on and on, there's so much to talk about. There's so many layers to peel back when we think about what does hiring actually entail. So so as we wind this one down here, Kevin, um, is there is there one, two or three points that you would just like concisely make? Yeah. Is it getting the result, yeah. right? Uh, what gets measured improves, right. right? So we're measuring how many applicants we're getting. Well, how many of them are worth a darn? You know, are we, we're getting a hundred applicants and only three of them are qualified. That could be a job description problem, right? I mean, maybe we're asking for the wrong things. Uh, could be where we're posting, could be a couple different things. But I, an, another thing I would do uh, and have done is I would talk to people that are successful in my organization and see what some parallels are. What, what are some commonalities that these people had? And you'll be amazed. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I personally had to touch uh, interview I should say, I personally had to interview hundreds of employees that work for me. Uh, I was the last and only uh, linchpin, right? It was a three interview process. And I was the last one that would make the hiring decision, right? Uh, and you would see some commonalities that would jump off the page. Uh, and then you would see some other things. It would be amazing. You would see some things where it's like, man, I've hired two people with a similar background and they weren't successful. Uh, or I've hired three people with a very similar background and they've been extremely successful. And here's why, right? Um, so I would look for those things in the interview process, you know, uh, to help, help make a better hiring decision. So just constantly putting the right weight on the right scale, if you will, in that hiring process and understanding, am I measuring, right? What gets measured improves? So am I measuring the right things? And then am I reassessing that Mm -hmm. result? Am I getting good quality applicants? Uh, and if I'm not, that could be a job description problem. Uh, is the is the person that it sounds very simple too, uh, but is the person that's executing this job after they've been doing it for 120 days? Do they feel like the job description matches the job they're that's doing? That's great. I mean, yeah. that's that's a no brainer, yeah. right? I mean, hey, hey, we hired you to do this role. Do you think it is exactly what we hired right. you for? Or are you getting a sense that the job description was one thing and, you know, now we're doing this thing? I mean, I think of the last role I was in, uh, you know, uh, the job title itself would lead you to believe that it was one thing and the actual job duties and responsibilities was completely different, uh, you know. Um, so had I just read the job title alone, it would have gave me a, a whole different perspective of the job versus actually doing the job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're a business owner, if you are an executive, if you are a team leader and you've been listening to this podcast and you're wondering, uh, uh, how how can we do this better? If you're looking for some assistance, uh, I'm just going to encourage you to, to, to reach out to us because one one of the things that, that you and I, Kevin, when we set out to do this and um, we just basically said, we want to help people. And I'm just going to, you know, lob that out there for people is, reach out and we could help us, you know, look over what you're doing from a hiring process. Kevin's going to be amazing at that. I've got a different set of experiences. It's, it's, it is quite different. Um, but at the same time, we can look at things with you and help you determine what's going well, 
help you figure out ways that you can improve it. And we'll have links in the in the show notes here on how to to get a hold of of either of us. Anything you want to add to that, Kevin, as we close? No, I think it's great. I mean, we give some 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 high level things that I think people could execute uh, today to get results. Uh, but I would ditto exactly what you're saying. Listen, at the end of the day, if you're stuck in a rut, uh, if you feel like it's not moving the needle, um, you know, if you're not getting the results still that you feel like you should be, and there, you know, now is the time. Uh, get in touch with us, as James said. Uh, we'd love to come in and uh, you know invest a little bit of our time and your time into into helping your organization figure it out. 